It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. The Miami Dolphins draft is complete, has been for a few days now. They have six new players on the roster. Be sure to check out our previous shows where we break them down one by one, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that you need. We'll talk here on this show about what we like now, we've had a little bit of time to digest this. Everybody's mind is on the Josh Rosen trade as well. So, And a lot of it has been stockpiling picks to have an even better 2020 draft. So, Paul, let's start out here throwing it to you. Now that you've had a little bit of time to sit back and digest this after everything we went through for three straight days, what is your feeling on the Dolphins' 2019 draft? I really like it. And, and to your point, you almost have to include the 2020 draft because this was about building up the 2020 draft and positioning for it without sacrificing. I mean, they, they definitely picked up some areas in need, but they didn't sacrifice as far as it felt like they got good players, not just players of need. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed the way that they played everything out. And, and I've got to go to that Rosen bit because I know I wasn't a huge fan of just giving up the 48. And Chris Greer went ahead and dropped back to 62, picked up a second rounder for next year, and got Rosen in-house. And I just I love the move because it basically makes it so that no matter what, Miami shouldn't have to give up much if they need to get a quarterback next year uh, and need to move up because if Rosen does just fall on his face and show what some of the anti-Rosen folks say, Miami's going to have a higher draft pick so they don't have to give up a lot of capital to go get their guy a quarterback. If Rosen pans out, now you're talking about a team that probably still has a top 15 pick but they don't have to move up if they don't want to, but they have the option moving up to get their guy at another position to, to just supplement and help out even more. I mean, they have the capital for next year after all of these moves to be able to move anywhere they want, anytime they want, which is beautiful to me. Yeah. There's so much playing with house money by trading down just 14 spots. They also gave up a fourth rounder in that too. And ended up getting that second round pick for next year where they're going to need it more. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. So Josh Rosen, and keep in mind, this guy is 14 months younger than the Dolphins first round draft pick, Christian Wilkins. He was barely 21 years old when he came in the league last year. You know, I, I understand if people are a little bit lukewarm on Rosen, given that in the past, the Dolphins traded a second round pick for Culpepper. They traded a second round pick for A.J. Feely. I get that. But what I don't get, and I I tweeted this out earlier in the week, is if you wanted Teddy Bridgewater or Tyrod Taylor as the Dolphins quarterback, and you were disappointed we didn't get one of them, and you disagree with the Dolphins trading for Josh Rosen in getting a second rounder next year, too, then I do not understand you. That makes no sense to me whatsoever, because Josh Rosen is the perfect boomer bust type of player that you want. And going back to your point, Paul, if the Dolphins end up winning seven or eight games with this roster that 
I don't think is as bad as a lot of people think, but isn't great either, still young, still developing, that it likely means that Josh Rosen had a very good year, and the Dolphins then may have a decision to make as far as trading up. And if they can't get up that far, you know, it's probably because Josh Rosen had a great year with the Miami Dolphins. It is, and it just sets them up to be able to supplement even further because I'm with you. I do think they have more talent than people think they do, and if they're able to show with Rosen that they can win seven to ten games, what they'd be able to do, say, picking up some pass rushers next year, supplementing the offensive line, and getting a stud tight end if Gesicki doesn't get to where we hope he can this season. It's He still is the best and brightest hope at, at the tight end spot. Miami has the ability to really enrich their roster, not only in the draft next year, but they're right now they're set up to be playing with something like $120 million at, at, in free agency as well. So they can make their moves to retain Xavier Howard. They can make their moves to retain whoever they want to and supplement as well from free agency. So they're positioned amazingly well for Chris Greer being, you know, three, four months into the job. Certainly. And just from a draft perspective, say that the worst happens, Josh Rosen is a complete failure, does not look good, and the Dolphins go 2-14. and 14. Well, in that scenario, they're picking first, second, or third in the NFL draft next year where it's supposed to be stacked a quarterback. I mean, it's – Pretty unlikely that Tua or uh, Bear from Oregon are that they're not going to be top five picks. They would have to have terrible, terrible seasons uh, for for that not to happen. So, and then at that point, after you draft that quarterback, then you have six other picks in the second, third, and fourth rounds to stockpile the rest of the team. It's a win-win situation. What I liked about this draft here too, is that finally a general manager, whether he's right or wrong in the long term, had a strategy for stockpiling picks. They'll have an extra extra second-round pick next year uh, in the Rosen trade. They'll have a fourth-rounder for Ryan in the Ryan Tannehill trade. They're going to have a third-rounder for uh, the compensation for Juwan James. I still wouldn't have done that, but they do have that pick. Fifth-rounder they're expected to get for Cameron Wake. Sixth-rounder for Robert Quinn. I mean, you're talking about a plethora of picks here. So multiple avenues for the Dolphins to be successful over the next, you know, three, four, five years. Well, and not only that, the other thing I'll add, and and I know we're spending a lot of time on Rosen here, is if Rosen doesn't fully pan out and is just okay behind this offensive line, behind a lot of the things that we've got going on with this team, you've still got him as a backup for like $2 million a year. And if, even if he doesn't pan out as the starter, he's an above-average backup, I will say that much easily at this point. So you'll have him as the backup and torchbearer for whoever they draft with that top five pick. So, again, brilliant move with a lot of vision behind it if you take a real close look at it. One last question on Rosen, because I think it is important. We were talking throughout draft day. The Dolphins yeah. were sitting there with the 48th pick, and we were talking throughout the day, and I said that I would trade the 40, or the 48th pick for him at the time, and you said no. Um, so talk us through a little bit your, your thought process on that, and, and I'll talk you through through mine at the time and what eventually happened. 
for me, it was about being the only bidder uh, on Rosen. I mean, everybody else was out of the race. And, and <laughs> you know, if you walk into a tag sale, which the, the Cardinals were having a tag sale on Rosen, and you're the only person that's looking at this one particular item and nobody else cares, and they've all looked at it and said, nah, I don't want that, you don't pay the guy the sticker price. Um, you start bartering and nickel and diamond your way down. I mean, and for me at that point, it wasn't without knowing if Miami would be able to trade down and accumulate another pick for next year. It really equated to I wanted more capital for it, and I wanted it to be a sliding scale pick at that point, which is basically, look, he pans out, here's your second rounder next year. He doesn't pan out, here's your fourth rounder next year. Um, and, and when Miami picked up that extra second round pick next year to stockpile with what, what else was out there, I looked at it as Miami moved down 14 spots, you know, traded that second round pick this year, but beefed up next year's draft and gave themselves the draft capital in addition to Rosen. And then with the fact that, you know, like we've talked about with the boomer bust and what that means as, as far as Miami's ability to get a quarterback next year. And it turned into a brilliant move as opposed to just ah, screw it here, take 48, even though we're the only ones bidding, we're going to pay full price. Uh, so yeah. for me, it was about that. Yeah, absolutely. And my big thing is that, I did not want to say, you know what, second round is too much. We've got to go with a third round pick instead. But that was, and the reason I bring this up is it was such the perfect compromise because we go from 48 to 64. And when I saw that trade on the screen, I thought it was the Saints. I thought 62. Or excuse me, uh, 62. I apologize. And when I saw that, I thought, no, wait a minute. The the Saints, um, they they have two fifths, two sixths, and a seventh this year. What the heck did we get? And then I saw we got that future pick, and it was just the perfect compromise to get down to that spot. So, and my point on that is a lot of Dolphins fans still think that that 62nd overall pick was too much, but I don't think so at the time because Will Greer ends up going 101, Ryan Finley goes 104. So if the Dolphins say, no, we're going to give up our third maybe, that I think you get into, start getting into the territory where the Panthers, the Bengals, the Patriots start to really get into the Rosen sweepstakes. So, again, a masterful job by Chris Greer. We have spent way too much time in Rosen uh, so far, so let's get to our first-round pick. Christian Wilkins, you know, he seems to be one of the safer picks in this draft. It's, it's a move that's universally praised by a lot of people. Pete Prisco, who I love at CBS, it's the only grade that he gave an A-plus to. You know, there were other players that were close on my board at the time, but the more and more this has gone by, especially when you consider the Dolphins have stockpiled a lot of picks for next year instead of using them this year, I'm glad they came away with a sure thing in the first round here. I am too, and, and and the flexibility that he brings, given the fact that Miami is a little short on personnel um, in, in some areas of their defense, the fact that you know we're supposedly going to be running a four-three-three-four hybrid, the fact that he can kick in the defensive tackle in a four, kick out the defensive end in a three, and really rotate beautifully with uh, you know, uh, God, I'm blanking here. Uh, I'm gotcha, so excited Taylor. about Wilkins. Yeah, gotcha on Vincent Taylor. I mean, it's 
it is a beautiful move because the defensive tackle position is so young and talented and all three of them I can see kicking the defensive end in a three, four and, and giving you that flexibility. So there's scenarios where you see all three of them on the field as well. So Paul, the rumor going around this past week was that the dolphins and Eagles were talking about a trade where the dolphin or the Eagles would have moved up to 13 to get Christian Wilkins and dolphins would have gotten the Eagles 57th pick in the second round. Would you have done that? Or do you think the dolphins made the right move sticking at staying at 13 for Wilkins? I liked the move for Wilkins, but you and I both know there were defensive tackles. I love later in the draft. So if they had been able to add Dalton Risner get Josh Rosen and supplement another position in the second round, just given the state of the roster today, I probably would have done that, but I'm not unhappy with the Christian Wilkins pick in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Based on that trade alone, I would have liked to have jumped down to the twenties, gotten Jerry Tillery, Dalton Reisner, Cody Ford, one of these players and still had that second round pick, like you said, but another interesting thing with that is that if they had done it and they have two second round picks now they get down into the second round and they could take center Eric McCoy from Texas A&M with that 48th pick but then they're probably going to make that pick or, or no excuse me then they're going to trade that other pick in the second round for Josh Rosen probably straight up and they're not going to have a second round pick for next year where they need it more so a lot of interesting scenarios in play there. That's why, you know, even though at first when I heard that rumor about the Eagles and Dolphins almost coming to a to an agreement on a trade down, I was not that pleased. But when you factor all the the balls up in the air on that, you know, I, I can certainly I can certainly like the move. In fact, I would almost prefer it, given that they wouldn't have come away with that second round pick next year with everything going on. So. Yeah, now in the first two rounds, they come away with Christian Wilkins, Josh Rosen, and a second-round pick for next year. So the third, they get down to the third round, and Michael Dieter from Wisconsin is the selection. And a very versatile player. I mean, he played a lot of left tackle, a lot of left guard, center throughout, throughout his tenure at Wisconsin. Struggled during the Senior Bowl week a little bit, and not somebody that jumps out a lot, but somebody with versatility and can flat out block the person ahead of them. Yeah. And I think he and Laramie Tunzel are going to, going to form a hell of a combination. And with Dan Kilgore, as it stands today, being the center, I mean, he may not be the greatest center in the world, but you know what? He's got a lot of veteran uh, know-how. So he'll be able to help him a lot as he develops. And I do think he could be a solid starter at left guard. If you can get a solid starter on your offensive line in the third round, that's going to start for you probably from day one. No question for me. Yeah, I would say out of all the picks, this was by default my least favorite. But that doesn't mean I don't like the pick either. I, I had Dieter mentioned a lot of times as, as more in that fourth round area, so I don't have a huge problem with him going in the third to the Dolphins. I can't get a lot of the senior bowl images out of my mind where during the week he was pushed around by those defensive interior players. But, you know, on game day, it seems like he plays a lot better. So if I had to pick a different player, I could not believe Chauncey Gardner Johnson was still there in the third round. And even though it wasn't a big need, he would be somebody I would have been glad to pluck 
and put right on this Dolphins roster. I also like Nate Davis from Charlotte a little bit more, like uh, Yadney Kajus' ability from West Virginia to play that right tackle spot. Because if you find that right tackle, you can possibly kick Jesse Davis back in to that guard spot. So uh, they also came away with Isaiah Prince and fullback Chandler Cox, running back Miles Gaskin. I think we're we're pretty – you know, actually – when it comes to Isaiah Prince, I mean, if they're going to take a player in the sixth round, 202nd overall, then I'm glad they took somebody with his type of ability just needs to be a lot more consistent. Yeah, the upside on Prince is phenomenal. I mean, he, he's a little bit boomer bust, but his strength, his good initial pop, and if they can teach him to stay with blocks and, and go beyond that first pop, uh, I think he could be a guy that, that surprises a lot of people as the first season wears on possibly into the second season, even if he's not the day one starter an injury say at right guard could kick Jesse Davis back inside, could put him out on the field and he might not relinquish that position from there. Um, So there's a lot to like with the Prince move. The Chandler Cox move could be feast or famine. I mean, he's a guy that's either going to make the roster and see meaningful snaps or just be out on the street. Uh, the Gaskins move is one that I really liked. I mean, I think he's a talented guy that's going to see the field a lot more than people expect, especially given the fact that running back is stacked at the top two spots. But he just he jumps off the page when you watch his tape, and there is a place for guys that do that. Yeah, and when it comes to Gaskin, what I like the most is obviously his production. I mean, 13th all-time in college football history in rushing yards. So if for nothing else, even though he does not have great power, he does not have great speed, he doesn't stand out in one particular area, this is a guy that just shows up on game day and gets the job done, and he's going to bring that same thing to practice. So if nothing else, he's going to push a lot of these other players at the running back position simply because he's used to playing at such a high level. So yeah, there there was certainly no pick that I disliked. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, we also talked about at length. A very good scheme fit here. Long arms, opportunistic outside linebacker. I, I think that he Smart. could be a very good fit. And the Dolphins may even take a look here at some of these other outside linebackers in free agency, like a Jamie Collins or a Shane Ray. And keep an eye, Dolphins fans, on May 8th because – that's the time the Dolphins can sign some of these unrestricted free agents that maybe they couldn't have, like a Shane Ray, like a Morris Claiborne, like a Danny Shelton. It's not going to count against the compensatory formula. So a lot of needs still for the Dolphins roster. I see them filling a few more of those here throughout the offseason. So, Paul, taking and, a look at the Dolphins' 2019 draft, if you had to put a grade on this, what would it be? I'd give this an easy A, and granted, they still walked away with some needs, but they didn't have a lot of picks to work with this year. Uh, They may have found their quarterback of the future, and they may also have set themselves up to go get their quarterback of the future if he is not. And and they set everything up so beautifully for the future with this draft that I can't give it anything but an A. I mean, everybody except for Chandler Cox has a pretty definite fit already and if Chandler Cox does work out he is a fit as well and on top of that if you factor in the undrafted free agent class which I know we just did an episode on 
they really knocked it out of the park here because there's five to seven guys in that free agency class, undrafted free agency class that could make this roster and surprise a lot of people. So given all of that, it's, it's pretty easy for me to give these guys an A. And just to be a jerk and to be a little bit more negative, I'm going to give them an A minus. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I think you have to uh, include the undrafted free agent class. And I think you have to include Josh Rosen. And you also have to include very easily the amount of draft picks that the Dolphins are going to have next year, because let's face it, they sacrificed some of those picks this year. They, in the the Rosen trade with the Cardinals, not only did they give up the 62nd pick there, but you know, they also gave them a fifth rounder this year and, or no, no, excuse me, a fifth rounder next year. They also traded a fourth rounder on draft day too. They also traded a sixth rounder, this year so that they could get a fourth in the Ryan Tannehill trade next year. So that's why they only came away with six players. And I think it was a fantastic strategy overall. So other than Wilkins, you may not see a lot of stars in the rest of the Dolphins draft, but you're going to see them certainly in the future. And I think these players that they drafted like Isaiah Prince, Van Ginkle, Dieter do have some ability as well. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of the 2019 Dolphins draft class. You're listening to Paul and Kat. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our personal Twitter pages, too. I'm Brian Cat NFL, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to ask us any questions, anything you'd like to see on the show, too. Check out our merch store as well on thefinside.threadless.com. If it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.